When will I see you again? Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Kyle United Football Club. From Kevin Hurst to Carl Hawley and Jeff Thorpe to Jim Tomley, we've got it covered. This is episode 9 and we're going to be looking ahead to this weekend's game against Scunthorpe United and discussing the latest developments with fans at games or lack of fans at games that it will be. For this episode I'm joined by my co-host Dan McLennan. Dan, how's it going? Well, it was going all right until you mentioned Jim Tolby and brought back yeah. some uh, mid-80s nightmares. Sorry about that. You know what? That, those names I put together for the start of the thing today. Well, two of them, Hurst and Hawley, I think, are ex-Scunthorpe, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, Jeff Thorpe scored a famous goal at uh, Scunthorpe. And then I was in a rush to get it together and just needed to find a player with a tee in. And I thought, <laughs> why not Why not dr- drop the levels down a little bit? Uh, yeah. Three all right players and then let's uh, drop it in. Yeah. Um, our, our older listeners will recall his... Uh, Certain contributions in the uh, the season we got relegated from the championship. I think it was yeah, my, I, my my first season yeah, actually. Yeah, I'm sure I have actually seen that goal at some at some point in the past. But it's, uh, people try uh, to find it on YouTube and it's just nowhere to be seen. I never want to see it ever again. <laughs> haven't seen it in the flesh. So yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. But yeah, okay. Well, let's get stuck into the main part of the show. First up, we'll have a general roundup of some of the news that's happened over the last week or so. So, first up, Dan, we're going to discuss uh, the big talking point in the EFL right now, and that's obviously, of course, fans at games. Uh, both me and you were obviously at the game at the weekend, one of the test events where thousand fans were allowed. Uh, really enjoyed it, really good day out, and then we just got the bad news on Monday morning, didn't we, that fans aren't going to be allowed again now? Yeah, it's something that's been uh, taken away out the authority, well, the football authority's hands, hasn't it? You know, it's... Uh... It really is a, a, a big stop on proceedings and I think most of the clubs are sort of looking for guidance from the EFL, the FA, who in turn are looking for guidance from governments. It's uh, it's certainly put a, a, a huge dampener on things, especially after the, the success of our trial event at the weekend. Yeah, you say success there and there's no doubt that it was a success. We both went, neither of us felt unsafe. We spoke to other people from a social distance, we should of course say, if you listen to the episode we put out the other day. Um, and everyone was fine and everyone said, you know, this is great. And there was space and I've, no one was saying, oh, we need to get it full again and everyone cramped in. Everyone's saying, we can comfortably get back to levels of at least 3,000 and there'll still be plenty of space. I mean, the, the East Stand, there was huge spaces at the sides of the Warwick Road and there was huge spaces either side of the goal. And the same with the paddock at the at the ends. There was loads of space, wasn't there? Yeah, I think obviously we've we've mentioned before that we've we've got the advantage in our capacity. You know, it's, yeah. I know it was seventeen thousand three hundred officially last season. You know, when when there was talk of twenty five thirty percent, we worked out that even at that sort of level, we could be looking at you know between four and six thousand, which 
is more than enough for what we've had in uh, recent years. Uh, like I said, I, I was the only person in my... Uh, I was in the Warwick Road end. I was the only person in my block. Yeah. Uh, the block in front, there was one person. The block behind, there was three people, you know. So there's there was plenty of space. But, you know, with the government saying all trials are stopping, you know, we're not even talking about proper games. We're talking about trials here, you know. So it's... Yeah. It, it could be, you know, are we going to see football in the flesh this year again before before the new year comes, you know? It, it's, that seems to be the concern. The, the suggestion I, I've seen, I can't remember, it was one, another chairman of another football club was saying it, that March, but the end of March was when we look at potentially the earliest we'll get to games, which is, clubs are not going to survive that. that that's the, the, the brutal, you know, the brutal way things are going to be. It, it's just... There needs to be some sort of package from the government if they yeah, insist on this. That's that's the way it is. It's been interesting reading a lot of the comments from the uh, national league clubs because obviously they've they've withheld the start to their season because they were planning on tying it in with uh, October. Yeah. Fans and it's uh, you know there's there's several clubs already said without paying fans we will not complete the season we will go bust and. You know, there's only a few have said that. A lot more will be thinking it. And the same will apply to plenty of clubs in Leagues 1 and 2. You know, I mean, you look at the clubs. The South End we played on the weekend, yeah. for example. Look at the clubs with the smaller grounds. You know, your, your Accrington's, your, maybe not so much Salford because of their owners. But, yeah. you know, even even like Harrogate, when they move back to home, you know, how, how are these clubs going to bring money in? You know, it's... It's uh, it's interesting well, the time nas- ahead. The National League one, there's an interesting twist to that because obviously when they wanted to redo their playoffs, well, do their playoffs to start the promotions at the end of last season, they had to be reclassified as elite leagues, didn't they? To yeah. allow for that. And, and that's actually in a roundabout way screwed them over this season because yeah, because they're yeah. elite. Unlike the other non-leagues, they're not allowed fans back. Yeah, was, was it we were saying yesterday on WhatsApp, uh, was it York City were the yeah. one who who really pushed because obviously with their new ground, they wanted to go up. Ironically, they didn't win in the playoffs and uh, they can't start the season with any fans now, so that's worked out well for them. But yeah. uh, no, it's, uh, you know, it, it also puts clubs, clubs at a quandary because... Carl Allen obviously just been sorting out season ticket payments. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going yeah. to continue taking the payments, refund on a match-by-match basis? Do they put it on hold? You know, I'm, I'm sure we will get some sort of statement from the club. Uh, yeah. It'll probably happen after we record this, which is usually the way yeah. with our look. Yeah. But we, we sort of, you know, fans need to know because I certainly don't think October or November, and once... You know, once you get through, <coughs> me, through those months, you, you're then thinking, well, if we're not going to open in October, November, there's no chance of Christmas games. So, yeah. you know, I mean, six months, I think, is maybe a bit much. I would suggest New Year would possibly be... Uh, well, you can hope that this... Because obviously the government have launched this track and trace app today, haven't they? And you'd hope yeah, that maybe... Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. This is the thing that frustrates people is that we're seeing cinemas are reopening. We're seeing churches reopen. We're seeing like indoor places reopening for people to go, but outdoor football grounds where there's plenty of space to social distance, where there's good track and trace measures in place. That's the bit I think that really annoys clubs and fans to look at that and think, well, we've put all this effort in to do all we can. And because you haven't sorted your mess out, 
we're in a situation where we're having to stop fans coming to games because of what you said. So it's it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? It's yeah. I, I, I think I, basically, like like I said, the clubs are playing a waiting game from their bosses, who in turn are, mm. you know, I know the Department of Cultures and Sport, etc. Obviously, having a lot of meetings at the moment, and I would like to think in the next couple of weeks we'll get some sort of clarity and some sort of plan for it. But yeah, uh, if, so. if, if worst case scenario, if it was the full six months, you know, it's going to be an incredible blow to football in general, isn't it? You know, and oh yeah, definitely. it's got it's going to be carnage. Well, obviously, we're going to have to be relying on watching games on the iFollow. Um, but the interesting development on that this week, isn't it? The Colchester chairman's comments about that, explaining how the money is fit. Because we haven't been clear this. I mean, last season, I think it was something like £6.66 we got, and then the rest was VAT. That seems to have gone up to £8 now, hasn't it? Yeah. But the twist is that the weight's being split now with home and away clubs is a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, it was... He was basically saying it was meant, uh, at the weekend. It was Colchester Bolton, yeah. and obviously, not under normal circumstance, Bolton would probably sell out their allocation for Colchester, and uh, you know, obviously, Colchester would have a good payday for that game. As it was, uh, Bolton. How many fans was it again? It said in the article, bought it. Right. Let, I'll, I'll have a quick look at this because they've said here that um, there was. I think it's something like. 2,700 passes roundabout um, for the game against Bolton that Colchester sold. Now, they Colchester themselves only sold 452 passes. They keep all the revenue from them. Bolton, on their website, sold 2,252 passes, of which Colchester only get the revenue from the first 500. So Bolton made more money stream off the streams from that game being the, Colch- <laughs> the way team than Colchester did. This slaps me of basically the big clubs that during the summer have said, hang on a second, these clubs are benefiting from our fans paying for the streams. We want a bigger cut of it. But that would be the same with the game if fans attended it, wouldn't it? So it's one of those things. It's, I don't know. I mean, I think think we'll see more of these complaints happen as as the the more games that are streamed, the more bigger away followings where it happens. The smaller clubs will start to, uh, you know, kick up a fuss about it. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the, the, the figures, the figures here, basically say that Colchester said in normal times we would have expected about fifty-four thousand in home gate receipts on that fixture, but we received just shy of eight thousand. Whereas Bolton would have expected about six hundred pound, which is five percent commission that they pay them, but they've actually received fourteen grand. Yeah, so twice yeah. as much. It's just. It's just not fair. And it's, I know Bolton probably are desperate for the money as much as anyone because I imagine they've got quite a big wage bill to be paying right now. But it's one of those things. You'd hope maybe a few a few fans of these bigger clubs might take pity and pay for the I follow things on the home clubs thing, but I suspect not. Probably they only really care about their club does. But, yeah, once 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 you know that the money goes to your club, you know. Yeah, you're not really going to change. But an, an interesting slight twist on that, though, is the fact that um, obviously Orient was supposed to be playing Spurs, weren't they, this week in the League Cup, and that game got uh, postponed due to the few the Orient squad uh, testing positive for COVID nineteen. What they've done is the Spurs fans on mass have been buying stuff from the Leighton Orient club shop to help raise right, money for right. Leighton Orient from the money they've lost from streams and things like that. Yeah, and yeah. I think Orient have done this thing as well where. 
Spurs fans could buy children's kits, which would be donated to a local like hospital charity or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Really, really nice sort of thing. But I suspect you're probably not going to see that in the lower leagues in these situations. Right no, that so. would probably very much be a one-off. <laughs> and obviously, there is a little link between Leighton Orient and Tottenham Harry Kane, at the moment with Harry Kane sponsoring Orient, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, they've, they've often had a few loan players from Tottenham, so... Yeah, it's understandable that. But yeah, so it's, it's going to be an interesting few months. Uh, got to say, the club have been brilliant in terms of keeping us up to date, haven't they, Dan, in terms of what's Yeah, happening, like so. I say, I, w- I would expect them to... Uh, likely release a statement in the next few days uh, with an update regarding it all. Yeah, I hope so. So yeah, that's where we are with our fans at games. Um, just one little bit of news left to give you, and that's just a, a small transfer update, obviously, is the fact that um, second-year YTS goalkeeper Isaac Robertson has joined Workington Reds on a work experience basis. He'll be competing with their first-choice stopper, Jim Atkinson. He actually made his debut on the opening day of the league season for Workington, a two-to-draw at Pickering Town. Uh, pretty good move for him, actually, Dan, isn't it? I mean, we talk about the fact that those players went to Kendall, and I know they're the same league, but Kendall generally always have a little bit poorer quality squad and don't tend to do as well as Workington. So it's good that Isaac's gone to uh, Workington to test himself. Yeah, I think it'll just be about getting him used to uh, the match day experience, etc. Yeah. Won't it? Yeah. You know, it must be one they think highly of, though, because we've actually got free YTS keepers this season which is quite an unusual thing normally just you have a second year and a first year don't you but yeah we yeah. must have taken on two first years this year um, yeah. and obviously they must think to themselves well we need to have at least you know those two need to be involved and there's no point in him staying around playing kids football let's develop yeah, him and yeah. maybe even push him to get a, a place in the you know the first team next season get yeah, a contract because yeah. we haven't had a YTS keeper sign a professional contract thinks it's Morgan Bacon I think might be the last one we had Possibly, yeah. That, probably. Funny enough, he's at Kendall Town now, actually. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, good. Good luck to Isaac. I hope he does well at Workington. Um, obviously, he's able to still train with the first, yeah, with the um, youth team squad, and I think playing reserve games and things like that. So, yeah, usually he'll still get his chances. Still get his chances there. <coughs> okay, Dan. Um, let's now um, do a little quick sort of roundup of the South End game. Actually, obviously, we we did discuss this in the match day uh, episode, but I think it'd just be nice to have a, a little bit of a think now we've had a chance to look at the highlights and things like that overall i think it looking back we talk about how poor staff were and they were very poor they were dire but actually it's a good solid result isn't it really when you look at it yeah like like we said on saturday you know it's it's a home win it's a clean sheet three points we could and should have had more goals but uh you know we we are we are a young team we are a new team and you know he with the fans in and having a bit of support behind them, it'll be a a good uh, experience, you know, on the ladder for them. You know, it's uh, there can be no complaints really. They definitely did get a lift from those fans being there, though, didn't they? You could you could just tell that the players just seem to enjoy it a little bit more out there than they have done in the opening few games. Definitely, definitely, and uh, well, as we've just been saying, it's a shame that you know it's looking likely to be the last time for certainly the next few weeks, if not months. Yeah. Well, a few talking points I've picked out that we could talk about from the game. Um, first one up, uh, I'm moving this forward, Dan, from what I sent you before the episode. But I think Dean Furman's the big one we've got to talk about. What an impact he had on that team. What, yeah, he like, was like superb, wasn't he? Like I said pre-match Saturday, you know, this this is the one sign in who we sort of look at for the old, you know, the old head in the middle of the park. And he, he, he should, I know... It, 
I know we keep stressing how bad Southend were, but he, he showed just what he's about on uh, Saturday. And, you know, he's got a good uh, a good match in, in the bank sort of thing, you know, after missing a game and, you know, onwards and upwards for him. And uh, hopefully he can... And uh, you notice Callum Guy definitely played a lot better with him beside him, didn't he? Yeah, and I don't think John Mellish as well, actually, to be fair. I think all, all three of them looked a, a bit of a better sort of unit together. He gets about the pitch so quickly, he's so tenacious to tackle, but then he's so quick to get the ball and get it moved on to someone else, isn't he? He doesn't doesn't mess about. Yeah, and I also noticed he's quite vocal as well. You know, yeah. he was he was directing and shouting and encouraging, and you know that that's maybe one thing that Mike Jones wasn't the most natural at in the middle. You know, he never appeared to be the, the loudest of players. But no, it was all good as far as Furman concerned, which actually brings us on to the next bit where we were going to discuss John Mellish, weren't we? Yeah. Um, I don't think, I wouldn't say we've given him a bit of stick at the side of the season, but we've been sort of... I think we're, we're a bit on the fence, aren't we, about whether he really can do it as a midfielder. Um, I thought he had a much better game actually on Saturday. I know there's a few people giving him stick over those two chances he had to score. But actually, I've looked back at the highlights now. I mean, the, the first one, it's, a, it's an air shot with his right foot. It's his weaker foot. Probably wasn't expecting Gimme Toure to do a Rabona cross there, was he? <laughs> yeah. I don't think. But um, but it, it's one of those ones that it happens. You, you can get over that. The second one, yeah, probably is a better chance. But actually, looking at the highlights, McCormack was pretty much ready to tackle him. He, did, he had to take a quick snapshot. He didn't really have the time to set himself at all. So it's not quite as clear cut of chances was made out maybe at the time. At first, I thought, oh, he should really be hitting the tie there. But actually, having watched the highlight, it wasn't quite as easy. Um, there were some interesting comments. I listened to Radio Cumbria on the train back after the game, and I thought Chris Lumsden made some really interesting comments, actually, about Mellish and how we maybe need to temper our criticism of him a little bit because he still is learning that position. He still is only, what, 21, 22? So uh, not, he was 23 the other day, I think. 23, sorry. Yeah. I, I knew he was round about that age, anyway. But he's still a young lad, and he, you know, he's new to that position, and he's not going to be the same as Thurman or Guy in that he's not going to be quite as aware in terms of when he gets the ball to be able to do a quick turn or have a quick look as he receives the ball. He's still picking that up, and then you wonder, will he pick that up straight away? Probably not. So maybe you need to focus on his strength, which is pushing forward and getting into the boxing, getting into those positions. It's it's a case of him basically, isn't it, learning what he's good at and what he isn't good at and trying to work on the things he isn't good at or maybe looking how he can sort of avoid being involved in the game in that way. Yeah, uh, I mean, don't get us wrong. We all we all want him to succeed in the, the position. It, it will be a big upward learning curve. You know, the lad's played as a left-sided central defender most of his career and played quite well at National League level doing it. So it's... Uh, it, um, it is a step up. Chris Beach thinks he can develop him there. And I think the next sort of few weeks and months will be be interesting to see if he does sort of take this step and, you know, turn into yeah. the midfielder that Beach well, he's thinks get, he can be. He's getting into the team ahead of Danny Devine at the moment, who's a player who's played that position for his whole career, isn't he? So, I mean, Devine's maybe a slightly different player. He probably sits a little bit deeper, maybe. But... You clearly see something in him. I, I, you do see those little sparks. He, I mean, he was involved actually in a couple of attacks or at the weekend where he, he won good flick-ons and he was putting himself about. But there's just a couple of times he was caught on the ball. And that's the thing he needs to work on, isn't it? His awareness of what's around him and knowing when to release the ball a little bit quicker. 
Yeah, yeah. Like I said, that'll also come in uh, in game time. I know, I know he first started playing this in a couple of bounce games. And he'd only just started trying the position when the season was curtailed in uh, March. So it's, uh, you know, it, like I say, it's very much a learning curve. And, you know, let's let's see what the next weeks bring for him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other point I want to talk about, and it's something we sort of mentioned briefly on the match day episode, but I think it's something that, that really is worth discussing. It's Coyote and his long throws in particular, because I watched back the highlights when I was putting together the uh, match day podcast and using the clips of the sound from the game just to get my, get an idea of when incidents happen, basically. It makes it a lot easier to sift through the recording I've made. And it it really stood out to me just how much we used that weapon on the weekend, wasn't it? It was just constant. Every chance we got, we had a throw near the edge of the box. We were launching it in, and almost all of them created a chance, didn't they? Yeah, it's it's one of those. I, I think, obviously, we kept using it on Saturday because they were so poor. I think against better teams, we won't be able to... They'll soon cotton on to it quickly. We don't want to become over-reliant on it. Yeah, that's, that's because the Because on once it. you become over-reliant on it, teams who scout you will soon be on to it and they'll work out how to, uh, you know, break and push on while you're sending your big men up for it, you know, because uh, Hayden was coming up for every long throw. McDonald's like it was well. a corner, McDonald, you know, and yes, against a poor team like South End, you can afford to do that. Against, uh, you know, a Salford City with Ian Henderson, you can't send your two big men up with that sort of threat, you know, waiting at the centre circle, so... It's, yeah. def- it's definitely a good tool to have in, in our armoury, but I don't think we should become over-reliant on it. Oh, definitely. It, it's one of those things, isn't it, that you look at the weekend and I would say probably 90% of our decent chances have come from Coyote's long throws or maybe corners that were picked up as a result of that. So it's it's one of those things we don't we don't want in a situation where that is our main weapon and we we totally rely on that. We want to make sure, sure that we're creating good stuff in open play as well, don't we? That, that's yeah, and thing. also, obviously, the, the, the one key thing is it, it takes Coyote out, out the box, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the one thing. And I do know, I think Alessandro might have a long throw as well. I'm sure I've seen him take yeah, a Yeah, I think, I think he did use it a couple of times towards the end of last season. Yeah. So. But, I mean, it's part of the game, isn't it? You, if you've got it, you, sh- you should use it. But you just don't want to be in a situation where that is basically where you're creating all your chances. Because at the end of the day... We said this before, but Coyote's had a few injuries since he's been reversed. So if he picks up a knock, what happens then? Because Anderton hasn't got a throw as long as that. And you know, yeah, we 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 certainly don't want to become one-dimensional with it, do we? Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, so overall, I think we're pretty happy with that game, aren't we? We're good to get the first three points on the board. Something to build on from there, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Okay, so that's uh, part one sorted, Dan. Um, we'll be back in a minute for part two. God. Okay, welcome back everyone. We're into part two now. It's time to look ahead to this weekend's game against Scunthorpe United. Um, Dan, let's just get straight into it. Um, not a bad game to follow up with after the Southend game, isn't it? Because they've not had the best starts of the season, have they, Scunthorpe? 
No, uh, they've been on a bit of a downward curve for a couple of seasons, haven't they? They mm. just nothing seems to happen for them at the moment. Uh, you know, looking at their fixtures so far, they got beat off Port Vale in the the cup. They lost the local derby to Lincoln in the we won't talk about it trophy. Uh, they drew at home to Newport, got beat away at Crawley. So no, they've uh, they've not really done much so far, have they? No, they've 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 not been dreadful by looking because they're not getting battered, but they're just not. Doesn't look like they're quite clicking so far. They, yeah, they like, you mentioned that they've been a bit of a downward spiral. They're, they're an interesting club, aren't they? Because um, they're not. They don't. They've never historically been a massive club, but over the last maybe twenty years or so, they've generally bounced about between the Championship and League One, haven't they? They've. Yeah. I think they've been quite heavily subsidised by their owners, and they've put a fair bit of money in. They've had yeah, sort of yeah. debt sort of sitting there, not doing much. Um, but they've they've never quite managed to establish themselves as a champion. Yeah, club, we've just thought about the bad run there. I'm just looking here. Uh, they only won two games in uh, the second half of last season. Uh, I think they finished the season with two wins in eight and four, five, six defeats. You know, so they've they've, they've been sort of on the down for a good while now and. There's obviously they've got they've got quite a big squad, but they don't use them. I know uh, Olamola we had last season. He's back there, but I don't think he's yeah. featured yet, has he? And uh, no, they're just something not right at Scunthorpe. And I know that they've been trying to get a new ground again, haven't they? Yeah, that, that seems to it? seems to struggle and just. Do, do they really need a new ground at the moment? The thing is, obviously, they, they moved into Glanford Park, what was it, the early 90s, late 80s, I think it yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. Um, brand new ground. Um, but it already looks a bit dated, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's kind of one of those biscuit tin ones, isn't it? But yeah. there's, there's not really particularly great facilities there. Particularly if you go in that away end, anyone who's been in that away end at Glanford Park, the, the concourse bit behind the stand is just, you can barely pick four or five people in there, can you? It's, it's yeah, tiny. Yeah. It's absolutely tiny. So I can understand maybe why they want to move. Maybe the, there's particularly facilities they want to put in there, improve the ground, make it more appealing for people to go. Um, but there, as you mentioned there, Dan, um, not one of their opening four fixes in all comps. Out of the Carabao Cup by Port Vale. Lost to Crawley uh, last time out and obviously drew it home to Newport on the opening day. Now, they've got a new manager, Neil Cox, He's a local lad, started his career at the club, making 17 appearances before joining Aston Villa. But he's also played for Watford, probably most famously, uh, Middlesbrough and Bolton. Now, he's only managed League Town before now, but he's also been assistant in Notts County for a couple of years. And then he was six years, I think, at Wimbledon as well as assistant. He's obviously, as a local lad, going to get a bit more time from their fans and he's going to be popular in that sense. But it's quite a tough job to come into, isn't it, for your first it's, job? It, it smacks of... He's a local lad, so it'll be a bit cheaper. To a bit me. cheaper and yeah. probably a, a fan pleaser as much as anything. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's the thing it stands out for. Dare I say it's similar to sort of giving Michael Bridges the job if he got the Carlisle job. But yeah, he's, he's got a tough job on his hands, hasn't he? And I think we discussed it in the season preview show. That there's no particular exciting additions in their squad. The one summer signing that obviously stands out for us because he played for us last season is Ryan Loft. Um he started quite well there, though, wasn't he? Yeah, a couple of goals ends. already. Yeah, and I think the one he scored in the league was an absolute belter, wasn't it? I think it was like yeah, 25 yeah. yards into the top corner. Um, 
I think both both me and you agreed. I think he, he we never really saw the best of him, did we, at Carlisle? Actually, he's probably a better player than he showed. Yeah, and obviously once Beach had came in and got the January window out of the way, it was fairly obvious that he, he was he didn't really want Lofton or Lamola. We were just sort of stuck with them, weren't we? So. No, he's uh, he's got a chance to uh, make his mark in the game, and he's, he's started off well there. So fair play yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, obviously, the other two ex Carlisle players in the squad that stand out, uh, Alex Gilead, who I believe is their captain now. Which you never would have thought of him as captain material when he was on loan, would you? So, definitely not. Definitely not. One, but um, <coughs> and obviously Olafelo Olamola, um, but he hasn't actually been involved in their match day squad so far this season. His career seems to be just sort of. Stalling, doesn't it? Yeah, petering out of the moment, but stalling probably the right word. Yeah, because yeah. we saw in those opening ten games or so, he's got ability, hasn't he? He's a he's a good player, but you've got to have a particular system to make yeah, him work, haven't you? That's, that's, that's the problem. Um, so unlikely that Olomolo will feature against us. Um, Loft will probably be starting as will Gilead, you'd imagine. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be. Um, an interesting contest, I think it's fair to say. I think it's one of those games that you could possibly use as a marker, similar to South End. Yeah, you would expect to beat South End at home and at least get a point away there, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah and I think, I think I think looking at Scunthorpe's early form, the squad they've got, new manager, I would say this is a similar sort of game where you'd certainly look to win at home and at least get a point away. You know. Okay. Well, team news for the game. Um, not really had anything from the club yet, have we, on this? Because I think they're doing uh, press I think, conference I think he's morning. doing his press conference this morning, this looking morning, on social yeah. media. Yeah, so um, Gimme Toure, possibly a doubt, maybe. He came off with a strapped leg, didn't he? I think he, he, yeah, he, he, he pulled up very slightly in front of the one he then near where I was stood on Saturday. He, he still played on a bit, but I know when uh, he was having his post-match cutting, there was a picture with quite a heavy strapping on him. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it's just one of those that... Just needs a day to settle down and he's good to go again. I love that photo of him with the curry though. He looks he looks the happiest man alive, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so hopefully he'll be he'll be good to go. He's just a sort of dead leg, as you say. Bar that, we don't think there's any new injuries from what we can gather. Um, but as you say, it'd be typical that we'll come out after recording this and it'll turn out that um, <laughs> yeah. there's a two or three out with injuries or there's a COVID going through the squad, God forbid. Yeah. Um, Thurman got through his 90 minutes though, didn't he? And did pretty well. In the game, pretty happy. Yeah, with that. Uh, as long as he's got no bounce factor from that, uh, he yeah. comes across as a sort of bloke who looks after himself, doesn't he? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brennan Dickinson obviously is the one who's still out injured, likely to be t- till December. Josh Dixon, uh, we understand, is still maybe a couple of weeks away with his five strain after his ACL injury. So, team news wise, pretty much a full squad available isn't there I think as long as yeah I don't, I, I don't think we'll see much change from Saturday the old the old saying you don't change your winning team yep yep can imagine that um, Scunthorpe United so um, couldn't really find much injury news to them either but by the looks of things uh, Jordan Clark who kind of transfer marked is actually their captain so maybe it's a Gilead filling at the moment. Uh, he's out injured. He's been there a while, hasn't he? He's yeah, he's been, he's, there, he's been there four or five years now, hasn't yeah. he? That's the only one I can see who's out injured. So it looks like they've got a, a full squad to pick from. Um, like I said, unlikely that Olomona will feature. Um, Loft probably will start. I wonder if uh, our friend Kenan Dunval-Turan will feature, the uh, German striker. But 
Possibly not. I'm not sure. But obviously, I think the danger one for them is probably Kevin Van Veen, isn't it? He's the one who seems to have... He knows his way around, doesn't he? You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, Dan, quickly, predictions for this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go for a one-all draw this week. Okay. And I will say the goal scorer will be Callum Guy. Oh, interesting. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I'm going to be the optimist here. I'm going to, I just think we'll have a little bit of momentum, but I think we'll still look a little bit shaky at the back. So I reckon Coyote will get one of the goals, keep his goal scoring firm going. And who are we going to go for the other? Um, I'm going to go John Mellish. Go on. He's going to get his goal. He's finally going to get his goal. And he's going a, to get big, his a big tall porker from 25 yards. And exactly. Exactly. That's what you want from him, isn't it? So that's what I'm going for. Okay, let's move on to the uh, regular part of the show called XCUFC Update. So we look a little bit around at the what's going on around the football world from players who used to play for Carlisle or managers possibly. Uh, first there's up, what, there's only one to start with this week. Of course, isn't there it? is. Of course, there is. Dean Henderson making his debut for Manchester United. Great to see him uh, finally put on the shirt for them for various reasons. One, it's just good for him. Good, good to see him continue to develop. <laughs> let's, let's get to the but, real reason. Let's get to the real reason. Let's skirt about the issue. Uh, yeah. uh, it's all get... about the money. <laughs> we've, 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 we'll do the Scrooge McDuck uh, diving into his pool of pound coins, gifts, definitely for this one. <laughs> it's, it's about the money. We're not 100% exactly how much. I, I don't think it probably is a seven-figure fee for it being the League Cup. See, and, I, uh, the, the, word, the word from people out west who know him and his family, that's where this £1 million rumour originated from. And the club have played it down though, haven't they? They've said suggested it's not that much. So the the club would play it down if we got a fiver. To be fair, <laughs> it's true. That's you know. true. But, but yeah. uh, no, and hopefully it's the first of two debuts because he's uh, he's he seems to be a you know a solid squad pick for England now. Yeah. Uh, Pickford, Pope, and Henderson seem to be the three England keepers that Southgate goes to. Uh, funnily enough, as I talk about this just now, that are uh, showing Jordan Pickford's mistakes against Fleetwood yes. last night on Sky Sports News. Yeah. And in, interestingly, uh, in the next two international windows, October and November, as well as uh, four Nations League games, England also have two friendlies. Yeah. And it would be zero surprise if uh, Southgate used these two friendlies to give Pope and Henderson a bit of action, you know. You've got to imagine he will, yeah. You know, obviously, again, there's talk of big money for an England debut, so it could be more money heading to the club. And just the right time for it to be happening, really, because potentially, obviously, depending on what the government do to support clubs, going to be desperate for cash, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, as as I've said on uh, the message board uh, in the last couple of days, we're probably one of the few clubs in League Two who've benefited from transfer stuff at the right time. You know, obviously, Bradford going to Everton, then making his debut. Uh, Rumours of promotion clauses for the Leeds United transfers of uh, McCarran and Galloway. Now, Dean Henderson making debuts. So it's uh, all all looking good, hopefully. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to a, a bit of transfer news from an ex car player, and that's uh, Jack Sowerby. He's uh, left Fleetwood and joined Northampton Town for an undisclosed fee. Um, Keith Curl obviously signing there. Keith Curl obviously didn't sign him for Carlisle because it was uh, John Sharon that did that, wasn't it, I think? Um, yeah, yeah. It, 
Interesting one, because I'd heard some some rumours that we were actually keen on bringing him back to Brunton Park in the last few weeks. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a surprise if we were, but apparently I don't think the player himself liked it up here as much. Yeah. Which is... Could it be because at the time it was when Sheridan was in his grump stage before he left? Possibly, you know, he maybe, maybe just didn't like the atmosphere. Because his best spell in his career has been with us playing. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. Far. yeah. It's a strange one, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, he's, we we all think he's a, he's a League One player in fairness, and he's yeah. he's got the move to League One. So we don't get us wrong; we'd love to see him. He'd be perfect in our team at the moment, wouldn't he? Yeah, but uh, I, I think he's just that little bit level above at the moment for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, uh, yeah, one, one, one uh, for you. yeah, for my uh, obscure Europa League addiction. Uh, we we mentioned about uh, Danny Redmond last time and how Bastian Henry would be playing for Linfield in Europe. Funnily enough, uh, in his last game for Linfield, Bastian Henry was substituted and. Uh, the person who came on for him was Danny Kearns, yeah. who uh, obviously signed from... Was it West Ham he came from to us? Peterborough, wasn't it? Peterborough, yes. He was ex-West Ham, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Ex-West Ham, went to Peterborough, then came here. And he just it didn't happen for him here. And he, he disappeared uh, back to Ireland and Irish football. And, mm. uh, yeah, just uh, I thought it was quite ironic, just after mentioning him when recording, that a Carlisle, ex-Carlisle player's substituted by another ex-Carlisle player and the the last one we've got not not a direct link but uh, no. certainly his dad was we're stretching uh, it here aren't we <laughs> yeah R- Rory Delap's son Liam uh, well thought of striker has uh, been on Man City's bench for a couple of games and there's actually talk that he could actually play for them tonight in uh, mm. uh, obviously Aguero's got a bit of a knock at the moment so they've only really got Gabriel Jesus as they yeah. call him. And uh, Liam Delap has been on the bench for emergencies with talk that they might actually give him a debut. Uh, he's only 17-year-old, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Has he turned 18? Yeah, I'm not sure. yeah I, think, I think he's in England under-19 international. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah. you know, I'm sure we'll get highlights of Ronnie Delap's long throws when he's... Uh, yeah. well, it's interesting, obviously, his... that he's a striker because, obviously, Delap himself started out as a striker, didn't he? Uh, yes, before uh, moving to wing-back, yeah. Wing-back, yeah, so that, that good news for Rory and his family. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm just, uh, obviously, just before we started recording, I obviously had a quick flick through the transfers, and there seems to be a little lull in players moving. That will obviously crank up at the start of October when the, uh, the window comes in, so, yeah, you know, we'll probably have a few more players to mention in a, a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'd hope so, we'd hope so. Okay, Dan, I think that's pretty much uh, wrapped it up for this week's episode. Um, thanks again for joining me. Uh, much no appreciated. Um, so, yeah, basically, we're, we're hoping to get a review episode of the Scunthorpe game out sometime next week. We might try and just tie it up with the preview game for the Barrow match, which should be an interesting one. We'll try and get some historical stuff out in that, um, in terms of games against Barrow in the past, maybe. Um, when, when there were a club from Lancashire, well, that? that's the thing. This it's going to be the first ever Cumbrian derby because between against Barrow because I, 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 only recognize, I only recognise the traditional county of Cumberland. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so Ken, Kendall or Westmoreland club then in, in, yes. your, in your eyes? Yes. All right. <clears throat> so yeah, um, 
so hopefully we'll be getting that out some point next week. Um, I am definitely going to be recording one of the special episodes <laughs> with, with Mike this week, and I keep promising I'm, it, but I am. I've also started making a few notes for our kids kit special where yeah. we, we will be launching a, a little campaign. When yes. That's, uh, yes. We'll, we'll, once we're a bit clearer on what's happening with fans and that, we'll get cracking with our specials and uh, yeah. hopefully get a few more out for you. Definitely, definitely. So uh, if you've got any comments or feedback or anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Google Podcasts. (laughs) Put put my teeth back in. Um, Please also give us a review and we really appreciate the excellent feedback we've had so far. Um, I've got no new countries to add, Dan. I've gone oh, through. I think we did, we did Vietnam last week, didn't we? I think yes, we I think that. you mentioned Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. I think New Zealand might be a new one. I'm not sure if we've mentioned possibly them before. Possibly before, I think. Possibly, possibly, but yeah. So uh, I do know that I've had um, an update from our correspondent in Norway. He's trekking in some of the uh, the woods up there, listening to the uh, match day episode. Said he was enjoying it, uh, hearing the crowd sounds, the occasional of uh, get rid and uh, <laughs> sort it out, Anderton and stuff like that. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. He was very much enjoying that. But yeah, well, we'll hopefully we'll have some uh, new countries to add next time. But yeah, that's where we are. Okay, that's it. Thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.